And welcome to episode 71 of the Lace Em Up Podcast. I'm Steve Ellsworth. And Brett Dubuff. In case you haven't heard, a lot of teams uh, were either eliminated from playoff contention or clinched themselves a spot. Uh, there were two teams that were very, very notable. We'll talk a lot about them. One of them is going to miss the playoffs for the first time in forever. And another finally makes the playoffs for the first time in what seems like forever for Oilers fans. A spoiler alert, it's the Edmonton Oilers. So <laughs> we'll talk about um, the Edmonton Oilers, of course, and uh, all the other teams that were either told to go home after the regular season or told to stay put and get ready for the playoffs. So we'll talk about that. Um Poll of the week has to do with the most surprising headline, and uh, uh, for some people, it was very tough to pick, so uh, we'll talk about the results there. Um, quite a few key injuries, uh, one that uh, could significantly impact the Islanders' playoff chances. A scary scene in Philadelphia as Michael Neuberth is stretchered off the ice, and could Steven Stamkos play again this year? Well... Brett Duboff has his way. He might. So we'll talk about that. Uh, also, Sean Thornton doesn't like Alexi Emlin. And then later, Bruin sends, as always. But first, shout-outs to all the players past and present who have worn number 71 in the NHL. Of course, you have Evgeny Malkin of the Pittsburgh Penguins, uh, Nick Foligno uh, with the Sens and Blue Jackets. Uh, his father, Mike, from 91 to 94, wore that number as well. Uh, Patrice Brisebois from 2006 to 2009, he wore number 71. Uh, believe it or not, Wendell Clark, when he was with the Red Wings in 1999, wore number 71. Uh, Dylan Larkin wears that number with the Red Wings now. Uh, J.P. Dumont from 2007 to 2011, you also have Mike Ribeiro in his days with Montreal from 2000 to 2006. Uh, in, uh, as a member of the Oilers in 2007, Pierre Sikora wore that number. And as a member of the Bruins in 2007, so did Mark Savard. So to all of them and to all the people we didn't mention, this podcast is for you. And now, it's time to lace them up. Here's Brett. Uh, let's see here. Uh, we have um, so we have two big news stories here. Uh, they're kind of opposites from each other, and they're pretty shocking, actually. Uh, so Edmonton clinched the playoffs this week. It's the first time in ten years. The last time Edmonton was in the playoffs, they got into the Stanley Cup final, which is mm-hmm. um, interesting. Um, so. This was, this was something that we kind of knew was going to happen. I guess it's not shocking in that sense. But it's also, uh, you know, this was a team that also won the, the lottery uh, four of the last five years kind of thing. Um, you know, who knew it could have been so much more disastrous. Um, um, and, you know, McDavid is literally their savior here, so... Uh, yeah, they clinched their playoffs, and then we'll we'll also talk about Detroit being eliminated for the first time in 25 years. But um, let's start with Edmonton. They clinched. Um, yes, they, they <laughs> clinched, yeah. Uh, first time since 2006, as you can imagine, uh, because their first year in their new building, they are still playing at the old Rexall Place back then. 
Uh, none of the players on that 2006 squad are still on the team today. McDavid, speaking of which, was only nine years old, which is incredible. Um, here's another incredible stat. Since 2006, they've gone through seven coaches and 18 goalies. Carolina, Anaheim, and L.A. did not have a Stanley Cup title to cheer about at that time. But um, as we all know, a few months later, Carolina uh, won the Stanley Cup against Edmonton. So um, a few months after Edmonton clinched in 06, uh, Carolina changed their fate. Um, and by that time, in case you've already forgotten, the Atlanta Thrashers were still a team still playing in the NHL. Marion Hosta was on their roster, and he had zero Stanley Cups to his name. Uh, he's since won three of them, all with Chicago. Uh, and this one coming up, this stat I'm about to tell you is also mind-boggling. Not long after the 06 Oilers clinched a playoff spot, they eliminated the President's Trophy champions, the Detroit Red Wings, in six games, still one of the biggest first-round upsets in NHL history. That season was Steve Eiserman's last in the NHL, hmm. in which he scored 14 goals and 34 points in 61 regular season games, had four assists and four appearances during that six-game series against the Oilers. Brendan Shanahan, who is now at the Leafs front office, scored 40 goals and 81 points with the Red Wings, and Jimmy Howard only played in four games. Hmm. That's, uh, that's how long it's been since the Oilers last made the playoffs, Brett. Yeah, yeah, it's been a while. Um, yeah, <laughs> Uh, it's also interesting in terms of, because I remember, you know, in the off season, you know, you had Taylor Hall uh, getting, um, doing something, uh, you know, like uh, getting traded and uh, that got panned throughout because, you know, Taylor Hall is, you know, uh, one of the bigger um players there and he goes to the devils and so now i i feel i just feel bad for taylor hall because he's you know he's now on another losing team um and they're not mm -hmm. looking good um i, I still th i mean i guess adam larson helped them out in terms of um you know because that's what they needed more was a defenseman who could help them out, and he seemed to have, he seemed to have worked out for them, and uh, you know the Oilers' defense has worked out better for them recently too, so um, it's gotten much better. But it's you know it's still like well you still don't have Taylor Hall and whatnot, but um, yeah, I don't know. Got seventy points though. What? Offense, offense was never the problem for Edmonton. Drysdale had right. seventy points, and they yeah. and they acquired Lucic, which I think you know kind of helped them as well. Yeah, um, although I don't it's know not necessarily that yeah. Taylor Hall was the problem. It's just that he, he, they they had too much of what yeah. Taylor Hall brought. Yeah, I think that was it. I for sure. Um, I don't know if it's necessarily that. Yeah, I don't think it's like Taylor Hall was the reason why they. Uh, they didn't make the playoffs, but um, it's just an interesting like aspect to this whole thing. Is like, like you know Taylor Hall was a big part of their team for a long, long, long time, or you know for these past couple of years, and now uh, you know they're, they're making the playoffs, and Taylor Hall's not going to be on this team, so. That's really all that I'm talking about, but yeah, it's um, they de they definitely have a ton of offensive depth, and they needed a guy uh, who uh, 
you know, they needed to add their defensemen, and they had a lot of forwards already, so um, it makes sense for that, but um, at the same time, it's kind of, like, crazy, considering they did trade, like, one of their best players um, mm-hmm. the other time. Um, and, and what's also interesting is, uh, and I'm going to pose this question, I posted it over and over again, where would they be without Cam Talbot? Right, that's true, too. The reason too. they're in the playoffs is because they're getting goaltending right now. That's true, too. And you look at the plan B, it's it's not really a strong plan B that they have. So No, no. But, I mean, I think they could even go far um, in the playoffs. We'll see. But, um, you know, Connor McDavid's right looking pretty good. First. As we're recording, we're tied, they're tied for first yeah. in, in the Pacific. So they could win the division, too. Yeah, McDavid also has uh, 94 points right now. It looks like he might be the first one to get... Actually, no, Patrick Kane got 100 last year, didn't he? So I was going to yeah. say that he was going to be the first player to get, to probably get 100 points, but then I realized... I was wondering if anyone was going to get 100 points this year, frankly. Yeah, but... Um, he hasn't stopped now. Yeah, he hasn't stopped, exactly. Um, other teams that clinched this week... Uh, not really surprising, except well, except for one's pretty surprising. But uh, the Rangers, the Blues, the Habs, the Ducks, the Sharks, and the Flames also clinched the playoffs. Um, it's kind of interesting that Calgary clinched, uh, considering they were struggling all for, at the beginning of the year, but then they recently they just picked it up um, towards the end, um, and now they're in. Um, and it looks, you know, the Rangers and so four metropolitan teams have are clinched in their playoffs, and also four Pacific teams um, have clinched as well. So um, Central, that means that the Central and the Atlantic have uh, are fighting for one more wild card spot. Although I guess it could be a Pacific team. Or a Metro team in that last wildcard spot as well, but um, yeah, it's it's I don't know. Is there any surprises on those on those guys? Well, um, I I don't know why there were so many Rangers doubters at the beginning of the year. I always thought they'd have a shot if King Henry yep. and his defensemen were able to deliver. But I think the coming of age offensively really helped them. Like you look at JT Miller hovering around sixty points, uh, Chris Kreider and Michael Grabner of twenty seven goals each. And you look at Brady Skate, almost 40 points in his rookie season. He's been very good for them. Um, Montreal and Calgary, if they got the goaltending, they were going to at least be in contention for a wild card spot, uh, probably make the playoffs, and uh, both of them did. Uh, Brian Elliott's just been all-world for them, uh, really gotten it together in Calgary, and Carey Price has been Carey Price, so not much else to say about that. Um San Jose, despite their struggles, I didn't think they'd have too much trouble booking a spot. Uh, I wasn't sure if Anaheim would be as strong as they were last year, but um, I thought they'd still find a way to get in. Out of this group of clubs, St. Louis making the playoffs was the biggest surprise for me. Um, yes, yeah. as, as we all know in my in my predictions, oh, yeah. they missed the playoffs. So. Oh yeah, I forgot, <laughs> uh, I forgot that you you're not a huge fan of St. St. Louis. Actually, St. Louis is sneakily, I, th- I saw something that they're like sneakily 11-1 and one in their last 12 games or something like that. Yeah, they've been quietly good. Yeah, yeah they've been uh, yeah quietly good. I don't know if we should even talk about them now, because they've been that <laughs> quiet. But yeah, no, the playoffs, yeah. yeah. <laughs> we should have started with that. Um, yeah, but uh, 
Yeah, I don't think it's too shocking. I was kind of su- surprised that Calgary got in, but, um, I mean, I'm happy for them, but uh, I guess it's more just because, you know, Johnny Gaudreau got injured and how they um, how they were really bad at the beginning of the season, but um, they just picked it up, so that's, that's just interesting there. Um, and then we're going to talk about the eliminations here. So uh, the big one is that Detroit got eliminated uh, from the playoffs, this is, again, like Edmonton, this isn't so surprising. This has been leading up for the past couple months, but uh, Detroit. Um, but the thing that's significant about this is that they've been in the playoffs for the last 25 years. Um, so that's longer than I've been born, and longer than Steve has been born. Longer than a lot of, I, I imagine a lot longer than a lot of people who are listening to this right now, um, have been born. Um, and I think you have a lot of other stats about what happened in 91. I I got a bunch of them, yeah. Um, just the way the clock ticked down on the Red Wings, like, was pretty bizarre. You had, if you don't, if you don't remember, they, they had a game against Carolina in Carolina that was rescheduled due to bad weather. And they played that, um, I think it was Monday, the rescheduled game. Uh, they played three games in three nights because they played Minnesota on Sunday. And then they had Carolina Monday and Tuesday. And then they also played Tampa on Thursday. So that's three games in three nights and four games in five nights. And uh, they were eliminated on the Tuesday night. Um, and like you talk about that streak, um, it was the longest active of the big four North American sports. So that includes Major League Baseball, the NBA, and mm. the NFL. Um, and so uh, now now I get into the stuff that will probably make you feel old. Back in 1990, taking a look at the Billboard's Top 100. Number 13, Technotronics, Pump Up the Gym. Some good arena music there. <laughs> uh, Snap, I Got the Power, also good arena music. Number 26 on that list. Billy Joel's We Didn't Start the Fire was number 35. Ice Ice Baby by Vanilla Ice was number 45. And this is probably my favorite. At number 55, MC Hammer's You Can't Touch This. Wow. And if you don't follow him what up was, that much, uh, there are also some rock tunes. Aerosmith's what was Beans, number one? Gun, Tom Petty's Free Falling were also on the list. What was number one? Um, I can't remember. Oh, um, from that list. But I was just looking at, I was just looking at songs that everyone would know. All right. And it would make well, no, I I would imagine number one. Okay, yeah. I'd imagine number one would be the yeah. like some a song that people would know. But okay. Well, yeah, that, that'd probably be the one that everyone gravitates to. I, I don't think it, it was. I don't think it was something that I would remember though. Okay. Or even, but anyways. Uh, the most, also it should be noted, uh, you know Metallica's Black Album, uh, one of the best-selling uh, rock records of all time? It wasn't even released, it was still in the works when the Red Wings missed the playoffs last. Uh, also, Nirvana was still a band, no one knew who Drake was either, so um, a couple more stats. Um, well, no one knew who a lot of these <laughs> current celebrities were. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, that's true. Um... Surprisingly, the Red Wings streak um, wasn't the longest in NHL history. You had the Bruins that spanned 29 right. years from 67 to 96. The Blackhawks. Yeah, no one can touch the Bruins. Yeah. yeah, no one can touch the Bruins in this category. Yeah, uh, and you look at Greg Popovich, the longtime coach of the San Antonio Spurs. He was an assistant with the team in 1990. 
And the Spurs now hold the longest active streak, uh, playoff streak of the Big Four sports. It now sits at 20 seasons. I, I also, on that point, um, the Penguins now have the most uh, playoff, have the right. record for, it was 11. Yeah, 11 seasons. Yep. Um, moving on. The Red Sox still searching for that elusive World Series title. So were the Cubs. So the Curse of the Bambino uh, and Billy the Goat were alive and well in those two cities. Jays had zero World Series titles, by the way. And now the Red Sox and Cubs might meet in the World Series. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah, funny how things have changed. Yeah. Um, the Red Wings, when they missed the playoffs, they hadn't won a Stanley Cup since 1955. The Penguins, speaking of which, had zero Stanley Cups. And the Rangers and Blackhawks still hadn't won a Stanley Cup in forever. The Rangers, 1940, the Blackhawks, um, yet since uh, the 60s. Yep. Uh, John Muckler was the coach of the Oilers, who won the Stanley Cup a few months later. Haven't won it since. Uh, from 1990 onward, eight teams won their first Stanley Cup. And nine new teams, soon to be ten, have been added to the league. Uh, Minnesota's team back then was called the North Stars. The Nordiques hadn't been sold. The old Winnipeg Jets were still in operation. And there was NHL hockey in Hartford, Connecticut. Yeah. And Crosby wasn't even in the first grade. We should also point that out. Yep. And uh, McDavid wasn't even born yet. We're bringing uh, it back. Yeah, you're right. He wasn't even born yet. You're right. He's 20 right uh, now. Yeah. And, and Yersman, this this he had a monster year there too. He recorded sixty or more goals for the second straight year, hundred or more points for a third straight season. Went on to score hundred plus, and then the next three years after that, uh, sixteen power play goals and seven shorthanded in 1989-1990. The last year, the Red Wings missed the playoffs until today. Well, that, that was quite a quite a list. Um, yeah. yeah, it certainly was. Um, yeah. Do you think we see a run like this again? Um, like, can anyone touch this record? Well, like, that's hard to say. Record, but like, yeah. can anyone come close to this? That's hard to say because I well, I feel like they start the Red Wings started it with you know because this was before in the salary cap league and they were just able to get all these free agents, top free agents every year. Um, and that's how they were able to like keep on going. And now, you know, now they can't do it because you know because they're old, you know, and you know, and now they're just rebuilding and whatnot. So they can't like it's going to be a different way to do it. But I feel like if like let's say the Penguins, I think the Penguins could potentially do it because you know they they have a good system going in terms of having a lot of young guys. Um, and, you know, Crosby and Malkin will be there for a little longer too. So I could see that happening. Same with the Blackhawks as well. Um, but I feel like it's, it's going to be, it's a lot harder, um, than it was because of this whole salary cap thing. And you have to manage your, this whole aspect of managing your team's, uh, cap situation for a long time. So it makes it tougher. And I think that was even one of the reasons why the Red Wings weren't even competitive this year with uh, Datsuk, who retired, um, and that, like, the, you know, they couldn't find points that way. So um, there was it was tough for them on that sense. But um, at the same time, you know, you have guys like Athanasu, um, Mantha, um, Dylan Larkin, 
Tatar, Nyquist, who are all who've all been pretty good, but it's you know it's just not enough. Um, but uh, yeah, I think it's I think it's just a, a more of a like yeah I don't I think it's more just in terms of it being a cap league. I don't know if we'll see someone a team like that, but. I'm not going to say no completely. <laughs> I'm not going to say no completely, but I think it's going to be almost impossible because you have almost 31 teams yeah. fighting for 16 playoff spots. Um, and you also look at the Penguins. They're in a, they're probably the toughest division in hockey right now. With the yep. lotto system in today's game, it's awfully tough to draft well and keep the assets you have. Well, I was, I was just saying the Penguins were, would probably be the most likely, but, yeah. um, but, they have to, they have to but it'd still be tough. Years, another right. fifteen years to better Detroit success. They also need two more cups to equal yeah. for the Detroit. And that's and that's going to be tough too because Crosby and Malkin will probably won't be in the league in fifteen years. So it's yeah. Um, and if, and if no one has been able to win back to back cups, which the Red Wings were able to do during that during that quarter yeah. century streak, how can anyone make the playoffs for twenty five straight years? That's my right. question. Well, I was thinking just in terms of like if any team could do it right now, it yeah. could it would Pittsburgh probably be Chicago are the two that come yeah. to mind. It would either be that. Chicago or Pittsburgh, just because they seem to be the they manage the most in terms of that kind of stuff, like in terms of salary cap and all that stuff. But um, and they have like a good you know farm system, and they keep on bringing people up. But at the same time, it's like for Chicago. What's going to happen when Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taze retires? What's going to happen um, for them? So, yeah, it, it's definitely going to be tough for either of those teams once their superstars leave. Yeah. Um, other teams that got eliminated, uh, not as surprising as the other list that we had, but Florida, Buffalo, New Jersey, Winnipeg, Dallas, and Vancouver also got eliminated. Um yeah. Um, yeah, I, ex- I expected Dallas to slip down the standings. I didn't expect them to miss the playoffs altogether yeah. or in the fashion that they did. Uh, but their goaltending and defense really held them back. And, and uh, frankly, I thought it was going to hold them back a year ago. So I, that's what it, why I was kind of taken aback by them to, so much to say they were going to finish dead last in their division last year. Right. Um, and, and that's the team that we got this year. Uh, just defense and goaltending were non-existent. Um, for Winnipeg, they showed signs of improvement, but consistency was their downfall. The injury to Tyre Myers also really hurt them. Buffalo, New Jersey, Vancouver, they were all no-brainers. I didn't expect them to do much of anything. Florida also yeah. didn't really shock me. Like, they had the team, but they also never had the team. Like, yeah. they were also battling injuries, too. Barkov was out. Huberto was out a long time. Uh, they're without bo- with both Luongo and Reimer now, so they're riding Reto Berra to pretty much close out the year. Yep. So injuries really hurt Florida too. Yeah, I think for injuries were the big factor for F- Florida's demise. Um, Buffalo as well. Um, I, yeah. Although I know you weren't high on Buffalo all year, uh, but I was. Yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I think like Eichel has like a point per game kind of thing going on right now. Um, yeah. which is kind of crazy, but yeah, the, um, yeah, I think that, that was their big thing, you know, uh, Eichel got injured, O'Reilly got injured for a couple uh, games, uh, Kane, Kane also got hurt early and Vander Kane as well, yeah, it's like, uh, they just had a, too many injuries for their, um, for their star players, or, you know, their big time players, um, and, um, 
Yeah, let me see here. Oh, Eichel has 55 points in 56 games, um, which is kind of crazy. But, yeah, um, so we have that. Um, yeah, I don't think there were too many other sho- there were shocking ones. I guess it's kind of shocking considering that Dallas was the first, uh, like, won their division last year, the Central at that. But um, it's, but yeah, I guess it's just that their goalie—they just didn't figure out their goalie situation, and that's that kind of just crept up on them. So yeah, um, that was really the main reason why they did that. All the other ones, yeah, that weren't too shocking. Um, yeah, <laughs> I don't have too much to say about that. Um, yeah, Florida, Winnipeg both made the playoffs as well last year, but. No, um, Winnipeg made it in 2015, but they didn't make it last year. Are you sure? I, I thought Winnipeg was going to show improvements and Shifley was going to have a big year. I, I just oh yeah, I that's just, right. I just thought it would be another year of progress, but nothing to show for a playoff wise. <laughs> that's right. Winnipeg got a Patrick Line this year. Of course, yeah, yeah, Liney's looked very good. Yeah. I, I Chris, I thought I thought last year was two years ago. I guess. Yeah. Um. Alright, <laughs> that's like a you blew it section here. Yeah, um, like we, we're, we're probably going to have a lot of them. <laughs> yeah, exactly. As the show goes on. Um, I apologize everyone, I'm an idiot. Um, yeah, all right. Full disclosure, by the way, uh, the, my, my math on the Kings um, missing the 2012 playoffs with the three-point system thing, if we, if we um, got rid of the shootout, yeah. point, blah, 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 um, they... they Maybe still make the playoffs, so just wanted to throw that up there. <laughs> oh, okay. from last week. <laughs> got it, got it. Um, and then currently in our playoffs race, it's probably going to change because um, there's a couple of games on right now. But uh, this is recorded on Sunday, so uh, keep that in mind while we talk about this. Uh, the uh, so the only teams that aren't. Clint, you know, haven't clinched a spot yet. Are Toronto, Ottawa, Boston, and Tampa Bay, um, and then in the Metro you have the Islanders, Carolina, and Philadelphia as well. So Toronto, as it stands right now, this is Sunday, April second. Uh, Toronto and Ottawa are tied for second in the Atlantic with ninety-one. Boston has 90 points. Uh, they play Chicago today. Uh, and Tampa Bay is trailing these teams um, with 86 points. Um, and then in the Metropolitan, we have the Islanders, Carolina, the Hurricanes, and the uh, Flyers, all with 84 points. Um, so they're all creeping up on the playoffs, but um, it looks like right now that it's going to be Toronto-Ottawa with Boston as the wild card spot, but it could be possible if uh, Tampa Bay keeps on winning and Boston may lose a couple of games, you know, Tampa Bay could creep in, but I don't I don't see how the Islanders can creep in now, especially with Tavares being injured right now, yeah, which, um, we'll get to later which we'll get to in a bit, but yeah, um, I could see Tampa Bay just sneaking in. Um, it would be kind of interesting, too, considering what they did in the trade deadline. But um, yeah. I'm kind of worried about Tampa Bay, honestly. So um, we'll see. Yeah, you also get them one more time, too, yep. before the season ends. Yep, 
yeah, that's that's that'll be a big game for sure. Um, and then in the Western Conference, we have uh, Nashville. It's pretty much just Nashville and LA. Uh, Nashville has ninety-one points. Um, LA has eighty-one points. Um, it looks like Nashville is gonna clinch any minute now. Um, although now that I think about it, why? Because Nashville has the same amount of points as St. Louis, yet Nashville hasn't clinched yet, and L.A. has, and St. Louis has. I don't know, um, but either way, I I, would, I guess it doesn't matter really because it's like a ten point difference from L.A. Um, yeah. But um, yeah, Nashville has ninety one points, and they could get the third spot pretty soon. Um, or, uh, yeah. Though, maybe, maybe, what's the game in hand scenario like? Let's see here. Nashville has 78 games. LA has 77. So maybe that is. But it's still, and then St. Louis had 77 as well. So maybe that has something to do with it that okay. LA has a game in hand. But, um, I don't Numbers know. Numbers are still, weird. Still, it's, yeah, I don't, I don't get it too much, but. Whatever. But yeah, so that's the situation out in the Western Conference. It's not as exciting as the Eastern Conference right now, but um, we'll see. It's it's a week left. It's kind of crazy. Um, In terms of, we have our poll of the week. Um, There was a lot of surprises this season. So we we asked, what was the most surprising? Uh, Detroit's 25 playoff streak being over. Uh, Edmonton makes the playoffs, Marshawn gets 80-plus points, or the Kings get Bishop. Um, I guess it shouldn't... Uh, this guy... This was a tough uh, poll so much, so that we have a, a commenter who said that this needs an all-of-the-above uh, option because it's all pretty shocking. Um, but um, we have uh, Marshawn won this poll. He had 43% of the votes. Um, Edmonton had 36% in the second. Um, and then the third spot was 14, was, uh, the Kings get Bishop. Um, and that got 14% of the vote. And then lastly, Detroit's playoff streak being over, that's, um, that got 7% of the vote. Um, but yeah, um, it is all pretty shocking, but, uh, yeah, I guess... like, the Red Wings missing the playoffs, like, do- doubting Tom Brady in the fourth quarter, you do yeah. not believe it's going to happen until it happens. <laughs> and I thought they were going to put their best foot forward and somehow yeah. find a way to get in like they always do, even though my mind kind of... Like last year. In February. Like but last again, year. Like, Florida, injuries hurt them big time. Like, they, yeah. they dealt with so many injuries. Jimmy Howard was, um, injured for a couple of months, um... <laughs> Earlier in the year, they had guys like um, uh, like Bertuzzi who missed time, and and the, the, they had a lot of guys that were banged up, and, and a lot of guys that underperformed as well. So that wasn't really all that surprising, even though, you know, it's it's still surprising just the fact that they're not in it. But um, if yeah. you look deeper into it, it's not much of a surprise. Again, the Oilers, you knew it was going to happen at some point. True. Um, Marshawn, like, he got 37 goals last year, but yep. only eight power play points. He's got 23 and counting on the power play this year. 
also has a career high eight game winners, um, very close to 40 goals as well. 84 points in 78 games this year, also a personal high. I think the main difference why he got, he won this poll is that everyone's paying attention to him now. Yeah. Like he's got a target on the ice because he's good, not because you're worried if he's going to do something stupid. Yeah, I think that was... He's the guy you can't, you can't take your eyes off him or else he's going to make you pay offensively. I think that was. I think that's the main reason why people were shocked at that. It's not necessarily because, like, people like me who've watched him his, his entire career know that he's a good player. Um, it's just now, like, people are starting to recognize that. Oh, he actually can score. He's not like just this pest who does things. It's just his his whole reputation has changed in that sense. Where. Um, He's now known as this like scorer instead of just being this pest guy who just gets into people's, uh, um, you know, situation. Yeah. Um, so I, that yeah. being said, though, I thought the Kings' lack of success since the deadline was going to win the day here because yeah, Quick got hurt on opening night. They were able to get by with Peter Budai in goal. Yeah. But once your number one returns to the lineup and you get a guy like Ben Bishop to back him up via trade, yep. you should be a playoff team. And when you get a savvy vet like a Ginland who has six goals and eight points in 14 games since March 1st, prior to that, just eight goals and 18 points in 61 games, you should be in the playoffs. Instead, they were, they're were they dangerously close to being mathematically eliminated. Um, and they were at the start of last week. And if they didn't get on a roll, they'd be done mathematically right now. Yeah. And, and, while, and while they're getting hot at the right time, Time is slowly running out on the Kings, and I think it's going to run out by the time you hear this podcast. Because I, I, I also, I also think, mind you, I think the reason they didn't win this poll is because with the success of Calgary and Edmonton, I think that also uh, that really hurt their chances too. Because I think yeah. if if either one or both of those teams start slumping, the Kings are a playoff team. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, but you know. At the mo- well, actually, the Kings have 81 points at the moment. It's not like that. Yeah. That's going to make them in the playoffs right now. But, um, but yeah. So yeah, I I was kind of. I feel like uh, we should talk about. Um, we're like that commenter. It's all pretty shocking. It should have in all the yeah. the above section. Yeah. But yeah, it's kind of tough to gauge which is more shocking. But. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, because probably everyone would pick all of the above. <laughs> true, true, yeah. Um, all right, let's go to the rapid fire. I think that's it from that, talking about that. Uh, injuries. Uh, John Tavares, we referenced that before. But, uh, yeah, he's injured. He has a lower body injury. Um, and there goes yeah. the playoff chances for the Islanders. Um, it looks like he's week to week, so that's... Yeah, probably a, it's probably out for the year. Yeah, just just a odd play. Just try to avoid yep. it. That was the fender behind that uh, battle for the Yeah, it didn't look great. Just goes. Yeah, went down the ice, holding the back of his left leg, put very little pressure on it. Needed two teammates to help him to the locker room. And this is a, th- these guys lost Ryan Strom due to injury last week. He's out for give or take a, another month. Yep. Um. So yeah, it's definitely in the final week of the season. The last thing the New York Islanders needed. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I mean, it was a good try for the Islanders because there, there was a moment where they were the worst team in the league, and so yeah. they, uh, Doug Waite got them into the, um, to where they are right now, but, um, yeah. 
yeah, the Souls start hurt them. I think if they had a better start to the year, they're a playoff team. Yeah, exactly. That's that's hindsight for you. True. Uh, New Earth uh, collapsed just randomly um, in a hockey game on Saturday. Um, I believe he's okay right now. He did get hospitalized for a bit, and then he uh, he's out of the hospital. I think he's backing up um, Mason right now. So no, uh, is he? Oh, is no, Mason I, also I, injured? Well, he was battling an illness. That's why Neuberth got the start in the first place on uh, Saturday. And then, <laughs> um, immediately when I saw this, I immediately thought of Pavlik uh, with right. the Thrashers, the home opener against Washington back in 2010, I think it was. And he just, just like in his stance, and he just, he just falls back just unexpectedly. And, and nobody was around him, too. Nobody touched him or anything like that. And Neuberth, you know... Um, it, it was at the Flyers' blue line, but it wasn't in the Flyers' zone. The face-offs taken, and he just crouches down a little bit, and then he just falls back on his backside. And yeah. The difference between this situation and Pavlik's is that Neuverth, as you said, showed visible signs of movement before being stretched off the ice. Pavlik didn't show all that much. Uh, according to Flyers' GM Ron Hextall, uh, a few hours after he was admitted to hospital, things looked positive. But honestly, if, if you were to ask me whether or not you'd see him again this year, I think the Flyers are wise to just shut it down because, like, the, he, it, it took Pavlik a, a, a while to um, get back on the ice after his incident uh, in 2010. Yeah. So I think the Flyers should take the same precaution with the Um, I, be- I believe, according to Daily Faceoff, it looks like he's now backing up Mason. Mason looks wow. to be healthy right now, so they're playing. They're playing I tonight. I so if it was just a case of dehydration or something. Yeah, that's possible. I don't know what it, was. Don't know what it is, but uh, yeah, they're they're either in. Way, either either way, it was scary. Yeah, it's true. It was. It wasn't a. It wasn't a. It was weird. I don't know what happened. Um, I don't know if we we'll see what happened, but whatever. Speaking of goalies, that was kind of a scary situation too. Uh, Eddie Lack got injured. Um, like they were, they were playing the uh, Red Wings on I think it was Tuesday or Wednesday, um, and uh, Monday. Monday. oh, it was, it was Monday, yeah. So Andreas uh, Athanasu uh, scored on Eddie Lack, and then um, Eddie Lack like hit the pole post pretty hard, um, and then he couldn't move for a long time, uh, he had to be stretchered off the ice, um, it was, I think the moment that was kind of, like, telling here was that, like, all the Red Wings players also, like, were, what, like, in a huddle, making sure that he was okay, yeah, Yeah, everyone was making sure it was okay, because usually it's just, like, the team that's circling around him, but... The, the injured player, but this time it was, like, both teams, I guess. Because um, I guess it felt a little weird if you're, like, sc- uh, like celebrating a score and all of a sudden, yeah. you're, you know, the, the goalies might be dead or something. So um, It was an OT winner, too. Yep, exactly. So that's probably why um, they were even, you know, they did that kind of thing. But... Yeah, it's uh, but it looks like he was released from the hospital. He has a neck strain. Um, I don't think he's played since, right? So, um, uh, hasn't played since. I heard he was there. He was backing up Cam Ward on Saturday against Dallas. Oh, okay. At least that's what uh, the, the latest report I read. 
And and Anthony Sio didn't didn't really drive in any lack. It, apparently, it looked like he got bumped from behind yeah. by a Hurricanes player. Yeah, it wasn't malicious just, uh, at all either. Lap, so. Yeah, it didn't look malicious, but it was it was still like a situ- scary situation where um, he had to um, had to do that. But um, and then lastly, Anthony Mantha fractured his finger um, that he suffered during a fight. Um, his season is over. Um, yeah, but um, I mean the Red Wings season's over too. So um, yeah, it, it just it just kind of interesting to put that in there because that's pretty much in a nutshell how their season ends with another. Right, right. he's been good though, Math, uh, Mantha. Yeah, he's been hot and cold, but he's he's shown a, a lot more good than bad this year. So um, yeah. Um, uh, Stamkos uh, may return this week. Um, I kind of called it, but um, but now if if they do get Stamkos back, it's you know they might kick out my uh, Bruins, and that'll be a bigger threat to kick out my Bruins out of the playoffs. So now I don't want Stamkos to be back. It's like I was joking, Stamkos. You don't have to be back. Um, yeah. <laughs> but if they, uh, if they beat Dallas, the odds of him playing before the season is out are a lot stronger because yeah. they get Boston, Toronto, Montreal, and Buffalo on the final week. Yeah. As of Sunday morning, four back of a playoff spot. Potentially, it could be two, especially if the Bruins lose to Chicago. Right. Um, and and a win against Dallas uh, could pull them to, like I said, as as best as two points. So, uh, if it, if they're six back, um. By the end of to, uh, by the end of Sunday, then maybe they rethink uh, bringing Stamkos back in. But he's taking part in a lot of drills and he's showing signs of promise. So maybe we will see him. We'll see. Yeah, that's true. Um, let's see here. So we have some. Yeah, I think it's it'll be interesting. I don't know how effective he'll be um, when yeah. he's back, but um, I think it is worth to, worth it to get it get get it get him in. Um, if he can't play, so um, we'll see. Um, miles, here's some milestones here. Andre Markov ties Gila Point for second in Habs history for defenseman. Not ever in Habs history. Uh, in points, um, he, uh, I think I, I read somewhere that, let's see here. what did I say here? Um, has t- uh, Larry Robinson is number one. Um, He's about Markov's about two fifty points away from that, so yeah. um, he has he has, he's not going to do that, I don't think. Um, no. I, Second place, that's still pretty good. Though. Still pretty good, especially for a Canadian's you know franchise. Um, yeah. Alex Ovechkin now has the most multi goal games since nineteen ninety four ninety five, passing uh, Timus Um yeah, I know Ovi's rookie year was in 05-06, yeah, yeah. which is even more staggering. Yeah, right, right. I was like, why did I... Because I, I noticed I wrote 2005-2006, and I was like, why did I write that? Um, and then uh, another... Yeah, I mean, it's impressive. It's not, like, um, surprising either, though, but... Um, yeah, Ovechkin... It's less surprising me because it's Ovechkin, and we all know how good he is. Like, yeah. just like Crosby doing something, you're just like, ah, big deal. It's, it's Although, cool. he's kind of uh, struggled lately. Um, he hasn't, yeah, or this season, he hasn't, he hasn't been, been as, as good as he's been. As dominant as he's been. Yep. 
Um, Holtby becomes the third netminer to have three consecutive 40-win seasons. Brodeur and Nabokov are the first two. Um, and that's interesting. I don't know. Um, I guess it's not, that's also not surprising either. But, um, yeah, uh, Holtby is a good netminder. <laughs> yeah, uh, old beast, as I've heard. Yeah. Um, actually, I remember uh, back when, uh, I think it was 2012, um, the Bruins played uh, the uh, the uh, Capitals in the playoffs. Yeah, you, told, you, told, you said this yeah. last week, Holtby was out of his mind in that uh, Yeah, and that was like his coming out party where you're just like, because yeah. he, you know, he didn't play at all. I don't think he played at all um, that entire year, and then they have him in the playoffs due to injuries to their goalies, and all of a sudden he just starts, uh, <laughs> you know, the Bruins couldn't stop them, and they won the, you know, they won the Stanley Cup the year before, and uh, they couldn't stop this guy, so. The scary it's part is that Braden Holtby has gotten even better since then. Yeah, exactly. Um, Austin Matthews set the Leafs' rookie franchise record with 35 goals. Wendell Clark had uh, 34 as a rookie. Um, yeah, Wendell He's Clark. Got 38 and counting now, Matthews yeah. does. 38 and counting. Wendell Clark also wore 71, as we found out today. Yep. Um, and I think that's it in terms of milestones. Yep. Um, yeah, but uh, <laughs> those were some milestones that we had here. Um, Sean Thornton uh, had some, I don't know what a transition here is, but Don, Sean Thornton had some words with uh, Alexei Emelin. Um, he was like, uh, Alexei Emel, uh, Emelin, was like had some fights with um, yeah, other here, people. Here's, here's what happened. He yeah. made a sketchy hit on the Panthers captain Derek McKenzie. Russian defenseman. He was a Russian defenseman. Alexei Emlin uh, wasn't going for the puck. The head of McKenzie looked to be the yeah. primary point of contact. Thornton pulls Emlin to the ground and he just turtles. Yep. Yeah. Um, so Sean Thornton had this to say. Um, I think he's what, I think he's what's wrong with the league these days. He's talking about Emelin. I think there's no accountability anymore. You can run around and take headshots at our captain and just turtle and the rest save your life. I'm getting out at the right time because I like the game when you had to be a man and look at yourself in the mirror. So that's my honest opinion of that guy. I don't have any respect for him. I think he's pretty good defenseman. But I don't like the way he plays. I don't mind p- people playing hard, but I've seen him with a lot of cheap, sh- cheap s word in the last cheap ten years. Stuff. Yeah, cheap. Uh, you can fill in the blank there. Um, I don't mind battling, but I've seen him headhunt a lot of guys and never a- ever answer for it. Say what you will about me, I've always taken my beating like a man when I had to. I didn't back down from John Scott when they signed him in Buffalo, and I didn't back down from LaRock. And they signed him here. I can look at myself in the mirror. I'm not sure that idiot can. Um, so, a lot of words there. It is interesting, though, because this is the... I'm kind of conflicted in this, because he does have a point uh, that pe- players should be accountable for their actions, even if it is kind of somewhat of a clean hit. But, at the same time, this is a, the same guy who uh, hit Brooks Orpik. Um you know, kind of sucker punched him uh, when uh, 
because uh, I guess Brooks Orpik didn't refuse to fight at the same time. So, you know... Did he concuss somebody before that? Uh, yeah, Brooks Orpik concussed Louis Erickson before that, and but the thing was is that Brooks Orpik also refused to fight as well. So Thornton, like, like Orpik was, like, talking to the refs in a huddle and something like that, and then Thornton just, like, comes up right behind him, and um, this is back when Orpik was a Penguin and Thornton yeah. was a Bruin, by the way. And... Um, like, was or, that in the playoffs, too, or was it regular season? No, it was regular season, because um, this is Louis Erickson and whatnot, but um, the, um, yeah, so Thornton, like, takes uh, Orpik by the uh, um, the shoulder and just starts punching him, um, and so it was, it's like, it, it's, a, it's a weird situation, because, like, that's not really, a, like, a... Like, I get what Thornton's saying in terms of being a policeman and, you know, players should be accountable for that kind of stuff. Um, but, like, you know, when a player refuses to fight, you have to respect that at the same time. So it's kind of weird, though, because, you know... But at the same time, so, like, I understand... Like, Thornton definitely shouldn't have done that. But um, it is understandable why he did that, because Orpik did concuss Louis Erickson, and it's probably why he feels the same way towards Emmeline here, because uh, Emmeline, you know, refused to do, fight, but, um, or do anything, but, yeah, I don't know, it's a, it's a weird situation from my perspective, just because I'm biased, but, um, yeah, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, well, th- this 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 is a guy we all know who fought Mark Borowiecki, Chris Neal, and Dion Phaneuf, uh, three of the toughest senators in the same game earlier in the year. We all know how tough of a guy Sean Thornton is. He's not afraid of anybody. Um, I I don't think Emlyn's play is going to be put into question uh, right now because based on me keeping track, this is the the first I've seen someone be as vocal about Emlyn's play and how much they hate it. Emily, um, I, I, th- I think if, so, if another tough guy says it, or if a star player says it after yeah. Sean Thornton, then I think you're gonna. Yeah, then you have some credibility there. You know about Emlyn's uh, credibility when it comes to. Well, I believe, um, I believe Luch, like there was that whole like after the 2014 Bruins Habs handshake line playoffs game. I believe Lucic was the one who like refused to shake Emlyn's hands and like threaten him, but. That may have been Dale Weiss. I think that was Dale Weiss, actually. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I, I remember that Lucci Chanchik incident, too. Yeah, yeah. Too, but, but I forget if it was Emily or not. Regardless of what the players say. Yeah. Like, what's what's Emily going to do about it, you know? True. Like, you think, like, look at He's going to turtle. That's what he's going to do. Makachuk said, I'm not going to change the way I play my game. Yeah. So why should Emily, you know? The, the easiest way to send a message is for the NHL to do that. Right. But, yeah, I mean, it is, it's true that he plays, Emelin plays his, you know, his, his game is on the edge, basically, but at the same time, it's like, they're all clean hits. It's not like, uh, um, you can get angry about that, but it's still, you know, I, I get what Sean Thornton's saying in a way, it's just that, you know, like, players should be accountable, but... If it's still, it's like a, it was a clean hit. It's still not going to, I don't know. It's a weird even, situation. It, you know, even if it's a clean hit, you know, you stand up for your guy. But True. this this one, I think, was particularly 
I, I didn't. I wouldn't classify it as clean. So I, I don't blame Sean Thornton for taking exception to that. But you're right. I've seen players go after other players, even if it's well, a clean hit, just because their teammate got lit up. You know. Well, I, I say it just because it's like he's not getting suspended for it, or not even getting looked at it. But yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, let's see here. Uh, Sam Reinhardt got benched for an entire game. Usually, like. I think he, like, broke a team rule. We don't know exactly what team rule he broke, but... Um, I heard that he was late to a team meeting. Yeah, okay. Uh, I guess we do know what he broke. Um, and then, um, but it's interesting, because usually when that situation happens, you know, you get a healthy scratch. But nope, Sam Reinhardt got... Uh, he was literally on the bench for the entire game. It's kind of a strange move by Bilsma, because... You know, you're you're uh, wasting a spot there if you're not going to play him and teach him a lesson or whatnot. But um, you literally just put him on the bench. You dress him up, you put him on the bench, and you don't play him. It's it's, it's a silly situation there. But, um, yeah, that's what happens there. Um, I don't yeah. know. He, yeah, Bilesma, when asked about it, he, he said, it's not just for Sam, it's for every single guy. It's about keeping everyone to the same level, and that's what we want to do. We're building a culture here, so each player needs to learn from it. And I think this is one of the best moments for Buffalo to do this, because let's say if, if, if it's a Vander Kane and not Sam Reinhardt, everyone just shrugs their shoulders and say, eh, I'm not really that surprised it's the Vander Kane, you know? This is Sam Reinhardt we're talking about. And you right. look at... Buffalo media, they're taking notice. The Sabres faithful is taking notice. At any point in the season, whether you're in or out of the playoffs, no matter what the name bar on your back says, there's no excuse to do this. And I think this is the best possible scenario for the Buffalo Sabres. And I think Bilesma had every right to make an example out of Sam Reinhardt. You need to send messages like this to change the culture of this team. And Buffalo's not making the playoffs because they're not playing as – they're not playing like a, t- a team. Like, their special teams, their power play is great. Their penalty kill is terrible. Yeah. They, they need to improve in a lot of areas. And this is just one of the yeah. this just one of the ways they need to do that. It starts with hard work. But I feel like... And if you're late to a team meeting, you're going to pay the price. I, I get what you're saying. Like, this is the time that to do it. But I feel like... I don't know. I feel like you should just at least, like, healthy scratch the guy. Because then you can you can just take another roster spot from him. It's not like, I don't know, just like putting, like that's just, that's counterproductive to your team. Um, if you just put him on the bench there and don't don't use him, why why would you do that? I feel like that's a, that's just strange. I have no problem with disciplining him. It's just the way that he disciplined him I have a problem with. If that makes sense. Well, either way, he's going to be, He's going to be sitting in the press box and watching the game. I think you feel a bit more helpless if you're on the bench and you want to go out there. Yeah, but you you're on you're on the bench. You're not, and you like you're not going to be playing. Why? Why did Belsma even have him on the bench if you're going to healthy scratch him? Because then you like, and then you can put like another guy in there, and then you have like a full bench that you can play. You don't have like one guy who's on the bench who can't play because of whatever reason, you know. Maybe it'd be a different scenario if they weren't mathematically eliminated, but... I think they were at the time, weren't they? But um, Yeah, maybe... I think they were, so... It's maybe true, it is... It. It, yeah, I think you're right. I think it would be a different situation if he wasn't, but at the same time, it's just it's just a weird move. I don't know. Even still, I feel like it's a weird move. 
Um, quickly, but, but we're all going to concern the genius if this actually works and they make the playoffs next year, though, right? <laughs> but uh, I, I mean, I don't think like I mean, Sam Reinhart will probably be a big part of their team, but I feel like yeah. I don't know if Billsman will be there actually, but we'll see. Um, but we talked about earlier in the uh, in this episode that you know Buffalo just had a lot of injuries, so that may yeah. have you know. I don't know if it necessarily was because Sam Reinhardt got benched for a game. Um, although I don't think I we only mentioned this is just because it's it's just a weird situation. Um, I don't think this has ever happened though. Um, maybe like Jonathan Drouin, but he that was a little different because he like just wanted to be traded. Um, but uh, it's an interesting situation there for sure. Um, Frozen Four. Uh, is gonna happen this week. Um, just a quick uh, preview here: Denver will play Notre Dame in one quarterfinal. Minnesota Duluth will play Harvard in another. Um, it's just uh, Denver beat Penn State, so they're ten goal game to start the tournament. Um, ended. Um. And Notre Dame is now the luck of the Irish or whatever. Um, they play there. They're led by Anders Bork. Um, yeah, he got three helpers yeah. in his second game over yeah. UMass Lowell. Um, followed that uh, in the game before he got two goals. Yeah. Um, so so big he's part been their best of, player. But big part of Notre Dame this year. So. Notre Dame is the only non-number one seed to be in the Frozen Four. Um both Denver, all Denver, Minnesota Duluth, and Harvard are all in there. Um, BU lost to Minnesota Duluth um, in their semifinal. Um, that was an interesting game. There was a overtime game there, but um, there was that. And uh, Harvard, um, after UMass Lowell and BU were another Massachusetts teams in the quarterfinal. Uh, Harvard was the only Massachusetts school to be to be in the Frozen Four. Um, so, I don't know. We don't have to talk too much about this, but um, it's just interesting that there are a lot of new teams, not like your uh, normal teams, like BC, yeah. Minnesota, North Dakota, BU, all those teams. Uh, yeah, usually we talked about there, but, last week how this is good for college hockey. Yeah. Like, it's not just the regulars, you know, expected to win. Now it's other teams too. Yeah. And this this guy from Denver, Troy Terry, wasn't he uh, Jonathan Taves two point at the World? Yeah, Juniors he was like year? the hero um, in the World Juniors. Yeah, that's the same yeah. Guy. He, he he got a hat trick and two assists in a six three win over Penn State. So I hear he's pretty good. Yeah, he's uh, he might be pretty good. Um, yeah. And uh, also, Harvard, speaking of Bruins prospects, Anders Bork was on Notre Dame. Harvard um, has Ryan Donato, so if you're a Bruins fan, uh, look forward to those two guys. Um, US, uh, lastly here, um, we have USA Hockey has an agreement with the women hockey teams. Um, it's a four-year deal. Uh, before this agreement, players said they were paid, according to, this is according to the Associated Press, by the way, uh, players said they were paid 1000 per month around the Olympics, and the new contract is believed to be worth about 3000 to 4000 per player per month. Combined with money received from the U.S. Olympic Committee, each player could surpass 
70000 in annual earnings. Uh, players also received business class travel, just like the men's team, and insurance protection they asked for. Um, I think they didn't get a lot of the other stuff that they didn't have because they said that they had to compromise a bit, but this is still a pretty good deal for them. Um, and glad that they uh, got something worked out before the World Championships because that would have that would have um, not looked great for USA hockey if they couldn't get something. Yeah, um, and, but, and the reaction for both sides was fairly positive. Dave yeah. Ogre, the executive director of USA Hockey, says this process has quote made us better. Uh, Megan Dugan said this sport uh, is a big winner because of yep. this deal, and Hillary Knight said the agreement will have a, quote, positive and lasting impact. But if you remember, um, a couple of days before that, uh, there were rumblings that the USA men's hockey team might consider boycotting their tournament in support of the women's hockey team. And I'm not, I'm not trying to connect the dots here. I really hope... That what transpired on Tuesday had nothing to do with that. I actually heard. I really hope. I really hope that it wasn't. This wasn't made possible. I really hope this wasn't made possible because the men's hockey program oh. said that we might boycott our tournament too. I actually I heard really that, that that. Not what happened. I actually heard that that rumor wasn't like turned out to not be true. Like there was no talks that the U.S. men were going to do that. Okay. Like it was just like. Some yeah. tweet, like because some tweeter, is, like speculated this is, this is it. This is a significant deal. Yeah, I just, yeah, I just very significant deal. Yeah, I just read like a tweet that, like, it was like a tweet, and then it just blew up. But it was like more just like a speculation um, that the men's team was going to do that, not that they were actually going to um, do mm-hmm. that. And and they never said they were going to outright do it. That, right, right. It wasn't like official. Thinking. Yeah, it wasn't official. No. Um, well, that, that, that's good because uh, I'm, I'm glad it wasn't just because you know the men's right. team said no, yeah, yeah, that it. wouldn't have worked good. That they sure. were just said, okay, we'll we'll get this deal done. Exactly, yeah, that, you know. for sure. That's not that wouldn't have looked good. Um, yeah. That's it for rapid fire. Uh, we're now onto the Bruins Sen segment. I believe you. I started last week. Uh, no, no, no. We'll start with you this week because uh, I, I want to get on this Tuca stuff here. All right, fine. Um, <laughs> I mean, I, I do want to talk about it, but it's just, uh, I don't know. We'll see. So, uh, we'll start with, uh, we'll, I'll get to Tuca in a bit, but, um, I'm going to, I do want to talk about the games first. Yeah. Um, the, uh, and, and there's also Charlie McAvoy's, uh, Scott Sign too, so we'll talk about that too, but, um... So the so we started the week on Tuesday. They played the Nashville Predators. Rask uh, was back, um, which started a uh, whole frenzy in the media, which we'll get to as we, we've alluded to before. Uh, the Bruins uh, they won. Rask almost had a shutout this game, um, but not until the third period when Craig Smith scored. Um, but, uh, yeah, so he looked good. Um, he was one of the main reasons why we were even in the place. Uh, also, during this game, Zdeno Chara got an assist, um, and that's his 600th career point. Um, so that's another milestone there. But, um, yeah, that was, uh, that was a good uh, spot for them. 
Um, especially Brad so- Marchand also snapped his three-game pointless skit. Yeah. That was huge for him. True. Um, it was also uh, big that because um, Nashville beat the Islanders the day before. Um, yeah. And uh, they were in competition with the Bruins that day. So um, they Nashville helped us out there. Um, and it was also P.K. Subban's first game as a Predator in the Bruins uh, arena uh, since he's been a Predator. Uh, that and was they interesting. they him every sure. time they touched the puck? Or? Uh, yeah, I think they did. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, I, don't, I don't hate P.K. anymore, actually. But, no. um I can see why people still do, though. Um, yeah. Then we go into, uh, they played Dallas on Thursday. Uh, this time, Rask did get a shutout. Um, Brad Marchand also got a goal, and he uh, he assisted on a Tory Krug play. Uh, Tory Krug has, like, a, like, a, I think I saw that he, like, he has, yeah, he has 50 points for the first time in his career. Um, wow. something like that. So, um, go Tory Krug. Uh, he's, he's been pretty good at underrated in that sense, but, um, we'll see. Um, and then, but yeah, Rask got his shutout. Uh, I think he's now the second, uh, he has the second most shutouts this year. And then the, uh, Florida Panthers, uh, we played them on Saturday Noel Achari got his uh, second goal in two games, um, which is pretty cool. Um, you know, he's been on the team all year, but he's never he hasn't been on the scoring shot sheet for a lot of the year. But um, it's nice to see that guy doing well. Um, Thomas Vanek, of course, scored against us. Uh, the I'm only going to mention this because. Thomas Vanek, like, there was, like, a, it was, like, a deflection. I don't know if Rask could have gotten that. Yamir Yager also scored, and it was another one of those weird goals where it was, it would have been impossible for Rask to get. Um, Patrice Bergeron scored, Krejci scored, which was, Krejci, I don't know if you saw the Krejci, uh, highlights, but, yeah, I saw um, the gap by like, 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 played the puck. And then he just, like, he got it right onto Krejci's stick, and Krejci just yeah. scored. But, um, yeah, Brad Marchand scored again, and uh, Bergeron scored again. Um, yeah, Bergeron actually had two goals. Pasternak had two helpers yeah. as well. Um, so the reason why I mentioned those goals in that sense was that uh, Tuka Rask has been under fire by the media lately, uh, especially this guy named Michael Felger. Um if you guys don't know, outside of Boston, um, he is a radio host on Felger and Maz in the afternoon on 98.5, the sports hub. Um, he, he's often, he's like one of those guys who like just says these opinions. He's good at his job. He's good at what he does. He, uh, he tries to incite, um, a lot of Boston fans, um, I, I often uh, get annoyed by him, but um, so it's it's working. Um, I'll say I'll say that. But like you know, he I think he was one of those people who thinks that like the Patriots knew about Deflategate. He like uh, there's another couple things. Oh, he wanted Claude Julian fired like a long long time ago. He's like uh, 
Long before Cam Neely wanted him fired, I'm sure, right? Yeah, yeah. He, he wants Cam Neely fired. He hates Kevin Miller. Um, you know, he he's like a, a there's a there's a couple of other crazy takes he has. Um, but um. So basically, a guy for the ratings. The ratings love him, right? Uh, yeah, he's good for the ratings in terms of like his. You know, Boston sports fans love. You know, love to talk. Love their sports. They're passionate guys, and this guy just pretty much he just, just eggs him on. Right? Yeah, he's just a troll for the Boston fans, basically. <laughs> um, and uh, so, so this week, uh, as we talked about last week, uh, they played the Islanders. And Tuka Rask had this lower body injury. We even talked about this on our podcast. Um, I thought it was going to be more serious, but turns out that he, he was only gone for a game. Um, this is also because Tuka Rask um, was out um, last year, if you remember, for the, the season finale where, like, if they beat Ottawa, they would have, you know, they would have been in the playoffs, but if they didn't, uh, they were out, um, and Rask had, like, a diarrhea or some flu um, symptoms, and he couldn't play. Um, so that's that's channeled by this situation where Rask, like, has this injury and stuff, and people, so people are, like, making these conspiracies that Tuka Rask doesn't actually care, he doesn't want to play in the big games, because uh, that would have been a big game. Um, and, you know, so people are getting on him. Um, I guess it's like... Yeah, he's, I, got, he's got 17 wins yeah. against the Atlantic Division. I guess division games aren't big games, I guess, today. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Right. Um, well, and it's... And I think there are two, there are also two occasions where he played in both sets of a back-to-back, right? Yeah, yeah, and I I've think that was... Two. That was the main... Well, that, that's what I was getting into. Um... Hold on one second, I'm just replying to an email here. Um, <laughs> the, uh, yeah, so the, uh, the thing that's, so there's, I have, to, I'm like, I, I get annoyed by this because I feel like Tuka Rask is one of the main reasons why we're even in this situation to begin with. Uh, Tuka Rask has been our best player. It's just, it's like, it's unfortunate because you don't really see it a lot because a lot of the goals that he has, you know, how he's given up, like, yeah, I guess you could say that he should have gotten some of them, but other ones, it's like, it could be the defensive fault, it could be, you know, it's just, it was a good shot, you know, it's it's not like, necessarily that they're all, everything that Tuka Rass does is his fault, kind of thing, and I, you know, I, I don't like that aspect of it, um, and he, at the same time, I understand he could be better. Um, but by the way, so Felger mentioned that in the last, like, he, like, he pulled up all these different stats for, like, the last four years of, like, how Rask has been doing, um, in the months of April and May, and, like, I forget the exact stats that he had, but they, like, his idea was that they dwindled down each season. Um, Rask, I think, has, like, a 9-10 save percentage at the moment. Um, but it was just, like, he, Felger even included the Vezina trophy season that he had. So it was, it was, it was a weird analogy that he had there in terms of, like, 
you're just negating your whole point if you're going to include the Vezina Trophy. It's like, you couldn't have been that bad if you, you know, if you won the Vezina that year. But, yeah, he hasn't, he has this history of not being great for, towards the end of the year. However, he has been the most played goalie in the past two years. The Bruins played them in the back-to-back, which I've been critical all year. Um, they play him in the back-to-back all year, and, like, it's no reason why, like, it's no wonder why he does that. So I feel like the reason why he, he isn't getting, you know, he isn't great towards the end of the year is because he isn't getting enough rest, and Bruins aren't, the Bruins aren't deploying him to the best that they can do, and they should play him once every on the back-to-back, not twice, you know, don't make him play twice in the back-to-back. It's not his fault that, like, you know, they don't, the coaches don't trust him, trust their backups that much. So that's been an issue all year. It would be the same with Craig Anderson. It would be the same with Craig Anderson, and Rask is five years younger than him. Yeah, and, like, I understand that Rask could be doing better. It's not like, I understand, like, like, you know, guys like Carey Price, per- Braden Holtby, they've taken the load as well. They've had just as many starts, and they've been much better than Rask has been. But at the same time, it's like like something that I was mentioning or that I read on, in an article on uh, Ty Anderson from of WEI. Rask is uh, pretty small for his frame. Uh, he's like, uh, I think he's like 180 pounds, and uh, he's 6'2 and 185 pounds. Uh, that's pretty frail. He's not, like, as opposed to like a guy like Martin Brodeur, who's, you know, just big and buffy um, like that. It's like, this to is just To put that into perspective, yeah. I'm just looking at Kerry, I'm looking at Kerry Price right now, 6'3", 226. Yeah. Like Gary goalie, Price is six foot three, two hundred twenty-six pounds. Yeah, and that uh, like, and that's not to say like that's not to negate anything that like Tugaras has done. It's like you know, um, you know, players, it's goalies come in different sizes for sure. Um, you know, like look at Ben Bishop, you know, or someone like that. Um, but at the same time, it's, uh, you know, like that's a lot of pucks that are going through you. Um, and for such a small frame, it's kind of, like, tough to do that. And um, so, like, I'm, I'm all over the place here. But it's just, uh, it just, it just annoys me, this whole aspect of, like, like, trading Tuca. And, like, he doesn't, like, the whole attack on his own, um, like ambition, I, I I guarantee you the Tuga Rats wanted to play all those games that he wanted to play in, um, like that New York Islanders game and that Senators game last year. But it's not his fault that he got sick or maybe he's got injured. It's it's not like I don't know. It's it's not like he's not trying. It's not like he wants to be golfing and you know not want to make the playoffs. It's um, so it, I hate when people say it's like, oh, well, Tuca doesn't care about the team or something like that. It's just like, well, no, he's just overworked or, or he got injured. It's not the, like, like, would you rather him play while he's injured? It's, 
it's it's ridiculous, honestly. But um, I, if, I if you're gonna talk about stats that. and if you're gonna talk about stats in April or May, let me remind yeah. you that Carey Price is below 500 in his career in the playoffs, and his GAA career in the playoffs is 2.62. Yeah, <laughs> and he's got 37 wins this year. Um, you were you so have how do you back up that? Yeah, that, that that's a good a good argument. I'll I'll, I'll let people know. I'm sure they'll be uh, uh, they'll be fine. Um, but um, you had some stats on Dubnik and Lundqvist with Rask, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, just mentioning a quick sec, uh, more on Ty Anderson's yeah. article. I don't know if you mentioned this. A stretch of 103 days from October 22nd to February 2nd. Bruins played in the league high 50 games. Rass played in 40 of them. Right. Third most in the NHL over that span. Um, and he also missed three games due to a lower body injury in late October. That should also be noted. Um, and the Bruins lost all three of those games. Yeah, um, I forgot to mention those. And wasn't all that close. Yeah. yeah. And um, apparently there was also an injury that Rask at the time said would take about a month of rest to fully heal, which is something he acknowledged is not even remotely possible. So... Um, and he was, I think you also mentioned one of two goalies to skate in over 11,000 minutes since 2014, Braden Holtby is the yeah, other guy. I think I mentioned that, yeah. Yeah. So the, 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 the fact is, you're right, they haven't managed his time at, uh, yeah. that really that good, but it's been, but, but at the same time, it's time. like, now, it looks uh, like they're managing him better now. Like, I think like Claude Julian didn't really do it that well, um, mm-hmm. For them, and I think Cassidy's learning now because so he played on Saturday. He's not going to play today against the Blackhawks. Um, Actually, just a bit curious. Yeah, but but what do you mean? Well, the the fact is, I thought you would give, especially given the fact that Florida started Ray O'Bara. Oh yeah. I thought the wiser move would have been to play him against Chicago. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I agree. I thought he was going to play against Chicago too, but at the same time, Rask. You know, I guess you would rather have the easier win against Florida and just yeah, take your chances. That's true too, yeah. Um, because I think Rask plays well against Florida. Like he's historically well, good the against Florida in general. Like I said, yeah. seventeen wins. Yeah. So, so I guess that, that was the thinking there. So, but yeah. Yeah, but at okay. least they're learning and they're not playing him on a back-to-back yeah, like exactly. they did a while ago. So, yeah, um, yeah you, have, you had a statistic about Dubnik, Lundqvist, and uh, Rask. Yeah, so I'm going month by month here. October, okay. November, December, January, February, March. October, Rask had the best GAA 1.25 and save percentage 958 of the three goaltenders. In November, his GAA went up slightly to 1.76, yet it was still better than Henrik Lundqvist and Devin Dubnik. His save percentage was also 0.010 lower than Dubnik's 9.52 in the month of November, so not a drastic shift there. We move into December. His GAA rises from 1.76 to 2.35. King Henrik's goals against average, 2.56. His save percentage... The exact same as Tuka's at 9.15. In January, Rask's goals against average rose to 2.78, but Dubnik's rose to 2.31. King Henrik's GAA, an ugly 3.61. 
And Dubnik's save percentage also went down for a third straight month if you go month by month, October to November to January. In February, the King found his groove and posted a 2.32 goals against average, while Rask's 2.79 goals against average was just .007 worse than Devin Dubnik's. And then you look at the stats for March, Rask's goals against average has improved from 2.7 uh, as improved from 2.79 in February to 2.53 in March, while Henrik had the same had the same save percentage as Tuca did in the month of March. That would be 907. His GAA got lit up going from 2.32 to 3.29. Now in his defense, he was dealing with an injury, but still Last week, he coughed up five goals in back-to-back starts. Dubnik, meanwhile, posted a 2.72 goals against average in March and a safety percentage just over 900. Uh, so I don't really think these stats back up his argument, especially when you consider that Devin Dubnik hasn't gotten the start in two straight games and Minnesota has started their third yeah. stringer, <laughs> Alex Stalock. They've called him up. He started both games. Dubnik's backed him up. Yeah. And yet Rask is getting more flack in Boston, yeah. and he's got less to deal with. He doesn't have the same kind of defense and offensive support like Devin Dubnik gets in Minnesota. He yeah. doesn't have the same defensive corp that uh, King Henrik has to deal with in the Rangers, and yet he's getting more flack for what reason? Well, I think it's because he had, you know, he was sick on uh, against Ottawa last season. <laughs> That's really why he's getting flack. But yeah, no... You know, I agree with you, but I think it, it also has to do with the fact that, like, if you look at Minnesota, their media isn't as hard as their, on their players as Boston media is. New York is, but... And yet they call themselves the state yeah. of hockey, too. Yeah. Like, they're True. pretty passionate about their hockey. There's no denying that. True. Uh, New York media is pretty hard, but not like you know they they don't really care i feel like they don't really care about their hockey as much as like they care about like football and baseball um and you know so that has a lot to do with it i feel like you know like in terms of boston right now you know you have the celtics who are in the eastern conference leader the patriots are impossible to complain about um the red Sox are like you know are the this you know the World Series uh, favorites right now are should be contenders right now, and the Bruins are the only team that like could miss the playoffs for the third straight year um, in the last week. So it's I think that has a part to do with it, where like this this just shows how how much pressure Boston has on its teams. And also just in terms of, like, how much we actually care about our teams in that sense. Um, but, like, sometimes it is more negative than it is positive that we get on, like, a player that we shouldn't really be getting on. Um, but, um, so I understand it in that sense, but I don't know. It's 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 a weird situation. I'm... I'm, I've never been more on Team Tuca, I'll tell you this much. Um, I'm like, I look yeah. forward to his, uh, his games now, just so I can see... Because uh, j- I just want to see Michael Felger uh, like, eat his words, basically. 
Um, yeah. So. And, and I'll, I'll give him one more stat to, to chew on here. Craig <laughs> Anderson has been, statistically speaking, one of the best goalies in the NHL. Yeah. Over his last six outings, he's gone 1-3-2, and two, GAA of 3.10, and a 900 save percentage. Yeah. The best um, goalie struggle, uh, breaking news. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, it's also like, I feel like, I should reiterate that I think Michael Felger might be the only media member who's been on Tuka. Um, like, all the other ones have been saying, like, like there's been headlines well, he from... Well, was questioning the media for not being harder on him, right? Yeah, yeah, that, that was the main reason, that was the start of Felger's rant, was that he thought that the media was, was going soft on Tuka, because, like, all the headlines from that Nashville game was just, like... Tuka Rass shuts down his critics. Tuka Rass is like, uh, is back, like, you know, like, by the way, the media has nothing to do with Tuka Rass's uh, success right now. Um, it's like, I don't, I don't, I would be surprised if Tuka Rass even has read a newspaper. You know, it's like, uh, uh, that's just not how athletes work. It's not like they're like, well, uh, this guy is, Michael Felger hates me. I might as well play play now. You know, it's, it's it doesn't work like that. Um, but uh, they don't. I, I doubt Tuka Rass is listening to me right now. Um, but if he is, hi Tuka, play well. <laughs> um, the uh, uh, the fact that the fact of the matter is when you yeah. when you start digging into you know what the media says about you, I think that's when your play really starts to right. suffer because but everyone that, likes you. Then you get too cocky. Everyone yeah. hates you, then you get too down, you know? Yeah, but, like, but I, I don't think, like, I think Tuka even has said that, like, he doesn't really care what the media says about him. He just focuses on what he has to do, um, or something like that. Yeah. Um, That's the right way to go about Yeah, it should be. Um, just quickly, uh, we, they play the Bruins, they play the Blackhawks today on Sunday, Kudobin's and net. Tuesday they play uh, Tampa Bay, which should be a big game because that's who we're playing. You know, that's who we're competing against um, in the wild card game. I have here that it's going to be an NBCSN game. Um, yeah, yeah. Just wait, Stamkos might just come back yeah. for that one. <laughs> yeah, actually, all four of these games the Bruins are playing are on NBC, um, and they're all huge. Especially yeah, they're all the huge. Thursday one because yeah. who do they play? The Ottawa Senators, um, and yeah, then. That's and then on Saturday, they play the Washington Capitals. Um, so, uh, yeah, these are huge four games. Uh, the huge, the most, the biggest four games of the year. Actually, now that I think about it, that's probably why they decided to go with Kudobin on Sunday, because they wanted Rast to play those, the three last games like that. So, um, yeah. but that would, that would be my guess. But, um, yeah, so, um, yeah, it should be interesting. I don't know. We'll see. Um, and lastly, McAvoy, Charlie McAvoy got signed. I got an ATO. Um, he got he was in Providence on the Providence Bruins last night. He got an assist. Um, I think there was some talk that he may be up in Boston pretty soon. So um, we'll see the, the, if that's going to happen. Um, they'll burn a year from him. Um, and then... Speaking of that, Anders Bork, we just talked about them. He's he's the Notre Dame star in the Frozen Four. There was reported that he will sign right away after he's his 
season is done in the Frozen Four, and he'll burn a year right away. Um, and I think that would give him just enough time to play in Washington, um, if that's the case. I guess more and more teams are trying to do this, like burning aren't as afraid of burning a year. Um, like I think it's because they don't want like a Jimmy VC type situation to happen again. So, yeah, because um, I, I, uh, I believe um, Bjork uh, would be uh, a free agent next summer. Yeah, and I think that was like the the idea is that like um, if they can get him to play right away, they you know they can sign him and they don't have to worry about it. But I think that was like a stipulation that Bjork wanted to play right away. So um, we'll see what happens there. Um, so that's exciting uh, news there, because Charlie McAvoy is basically our future, um, and um, we'll see if he comes up too, but um, yeah, so I think that's it for Bruins, uh, I'll bring it to you for the sentence. Yeah, uh, I'm not panicking by any means, but I'm concerned <laughs> as to what the next seven or so days are going to hold for my Ottawa Senators. Um, they got a point against Philly. That's the good news. But should have gotten a win if not for a third-period gaffe by Mr. Anderson. Uh, but to be <laughs> fair, if it wasn't for Andy, probably doesn't even go to overtime. So perhaps I shouldn't be too hard on him. Uh, Burroughs got hurt. I only forced him to miss a game, thankfully. Uh, unfortunately for you. Uh, on Thursday, before the game even got underway, I didn't like their odds against Minnesota, even with Staylock in that, because when you see a team go on a skid like that and turn to their third stringer for something good to happen, some poor sucker is going to get beat. They're they're just waiting to go off on somebody. I'm just thinking, I'm hoping it's not Ottawa, but I wouldn't be surprised if it was Ottawa. And it was Ottawa. And in my opinion, Sens uh, showed up and played their worst game of the year. Even though they gave up just 26 shots, they only mustered 19 on the other net. That's not going to get you wins. Um, also cost them Zach Smith. He left due to injury. Um, and ahead of that game, Eric Carlson's Ironman streak, which was at 324 games, was snapped. He blocked a shot against Philly. He's got over 200 block shots this year. Uh, and it seems that um, all that shot blocking finally caught up to him. Uh, the good news is he could return to the team as soon as Sunday. The bad news is in Saturday's game against Winnipeg, Cody Cece got injured. And that meant Ottawa would leave the peg without three uh, of their top six defensemen, that would be Eric Carlson, Mark Mathot, for obvious reasons, and Cody Cece, fully healthy. Um, by the way, Cece already ruled out of Monday's game against Detroit. Uh, and then to make matters worse, the Sens lost that April Fool's Day game against the Jets by a score of 4-2. to two. Um, Mike Condon was called upon to start this game. Second game he's played in over the last eight. Didn't look like he was in total control for the most part, just... Seemed out of place on a few simple plays. His timing was a bit off. And, again, I'm going to cut him a bit of slack, but this time of the year, everyone needs to be on their toes. Every game matters. And Ottawa cannot afford to cough up points like this because they have a big week coming up. They have five games on the docket, home and home, back-to-back with Detroit Monday and Tuesday, followed by, of course, that road game in Boston. That's going to be huge. Then they host the Rangers Sunday, uh, Saturday afternoon, final home game of the year, and then they close it out with a road game at the Barclays Center against the Islanders on Sunday. The Leafs just overtook them for second in the Atlantic, thanks to the regulation plus overtime wins tiebreaker. Um, both of them have 91 points, but still concerning because the Bruins are now all of a sudden one point back of Ottawa for third in their division. 
Tampa is five back of the Sens in the standings. And if the Sens are somehow tied with the Bolts and the seeding is decided by head-to-head, Tampa wins that. So you really, to be perfectly honest, Ottawa's destiny is in their hands. I'm just putting it out there. (laughs) Ottawa controls their own destiny here. I really hope they don't screw it up. I hope they punch their ticket. Uh, Easiest way to do that, take care of Detroit in those two games, and then maybe just to add insult to injury, beat Boston, hopefully. Yeah. So we'll see how that goes. You really just want to beat but, us uh, on on Thursday, don't you? Yeah. Yeah. Just to <laughs> just to just to annoy me. That's that's fine. Um, according to Sports Club stats, the uh, Senators the Senators get ninety six points. Uh, so that's five more points than what they have right now. They're in. Um, yeah. And um, so that's kind of. An interesting thing. And I think that's the same for Boston, too. If, if they get 95 points or more, uh, they're in as well. But, um, yeah, it's this is a cool stat. It should be interesting the, the last week of um, the year for us, uh, for yeah. sure. Um, we also have a couple of three big off-ice news yeah. to report. Uh, the first being... Colin White, he signed an ATO with Bingo. Speaking of the Boston connection, he played at Boston University yep. this year. Boston College. Um, yeah, signed an ATO with Bingo in the late hours of March 26th. Uh, got his first AHL point in his first AHL game on Wednesday night. Uh, Baby Sens lost that game 6-1, to but Pierre, D- uh, Pierre Dorian, the Sens GM, was very impressed with what he saw um, from Colin White. Big fan of his back-checking and his speed during his short time on the ice. And head coach Clerk Klein endorsed also liked what he saw from White on the power play, saying, quote, he was very engaged, his battle level was good, we used him to quarterback our power play, and he looked like he'd been doing that forever. So um, that was very, very good. Do you and think then he'll, later, uh, he gets his first AHL goal. So. Do you think he'll, uh, I doubt it, but do you think he'll be um, in Ottawa this season or no? I think give him as much time in the AHL as you okay. can. Um, maybe if they maybe if they make the playoffs, who knows? But it, considering Bingo is probably not going to make the playoffs this year, it all depends. But um, yeah. I think they're going to take as much time with Colin White as they possibly can. But I like what I've seen from him. Yeah, that makes sense. That seems to be the smart move. Yeah. Um, in case you're wondering whether or not they chose to sign to an entry-level deal, they haven't done that yet because they don't want to burn off a year of that entry-level in the final few weeks of the season, so that's going to come later, hence why they signed to an ATO. Uh, and uh, then we head to Eugene Melnick's house for a third straight week. Uh, we're talking about the Sens owner for all the wrong reasons. This time, it's a lawsuit by an ex-Sens executive. Uh, according to an article from the Ottawa Citizen, Peter O'Leary is suing Melnick and the team for $1.55 million for alleged discord behind the scenes. He's also seeking legal costs to cover that as well. Uh, the claim alleges that the millionaire occasionally sent emails with hurtful language and sometimes insulted executive team members uh, that went from questioning their competency to threats of dismissal, etc., etc. Um the interesting part is Peter O'Leary got good reviews from Cyril Leader, who was still employed by Melnick at the time, and he did take O'Leary's side, according to the claim, when Melnick questioned O'Leary's job title. Uh, the abysmal attendance numbers this year made the Sens owner more and more impatient with O'Leary, and that several warning signs were made about Peter's future uh, with the team. 
On November 29th, he was given $20,000 in bonuses by Cyril Leader, which was owed to him. About a week goes by and O'Leary gets an email to repay the money that was paid to him, quote unquote, in error. On the 8th, Melnick sends him an email to repay the money by 5 p.m. the next day or he'll be terminated for cause. On December the 12th, he is dismissed. Uh, you can read the extended version of the story on the Citizens website. Also, uh, tweeted it on the Lace em Up Twitter. I'm just glad that my owner isn't the craziest of our of our two owners. <laughs> There's no question that Eugene is passionate, but sometimes I'm just thinking, man, yeah. what are you doing? <laughs> he's got a good heart, like with the organ yeah. transplant and stuff like that, but just uh, some, sometimes drives me nuts. I don't know if Jeremy um, Jacobs does have a heart, but yeah. <laughs> Uh, which is why I'm saving the best story for last. We have a story that's really going to melt your heart here. Uh, Jonathan Petrer, a nickname the Butterfly Child from Russell, Ontario, very big sense fan. He's undergoing a second stem cell transplant in a few weeks to be exact. I believe April 13th is the surgery date. Uh, a couple of months ago he had one, but it failed to take. Um, he has EB, which is a blistering skin disease. He's got bandages all over his body because like, his skin is, is very fragile. It's pretty rare, extremely painful. Um, the procedure, um, he's in Minnesota getting treatment now. Um, the procedure is going to take place in Minnesota. The entire Sense team stopped by his Minnesota residence before their game against the Wild on Thursday and uh, paid a nice little visit to him, took a big team photo, and, uh, yeah, just very, very special to see this team rally. And then uh, you know how Minnesota – uh, has uh, someone say, let's play hockey before the start of every game? Yeah. Jonathan Petra was that guy. Oh, nice. uh, he was in attendance on Thursday. So congrats uh, to Jonathan Petra for sticking with it. Keep fighting, buddy, and uh, hopefully the second transplant goes well for you. And uh, we're definitely thinking of him in Ottawa. We've been following this story um, a lot from a local perspective, but uh, – just wanted to put that out there for people who don't know this story outside of Ottawa. Very good kid, and uh, we wish him all the best. Yeah, uh, sounds like an uplifting story, so hopefully he um, he continues that way. Um, Alright, uh, let's see here. Social media, uh, Twitter, Laysome Up Podcast. Uh, Facebook, we have Laysome Up. Uh I always forget these things. So you're probably listening to this on SoundCloud at Lace Them Up. Um, don't forget to follow us on there. Um, or subscribe to us on iTunes at Lace Them Up. Um, you can also email us anything, literally anything, at laceupbag at gmail.com. Uh, that's it. I'm Brett Duboff. I'm Steve Ellsworth. Just a quick housekeeping note. The next episode we record, oh, yeah. episode 72, will be our playoff special. We are planning to do that on Monday the 10th. So if you don't see an episode on the 10th, it's probably because we haven't recorded it yet. Yep. Uh, probably Monday or Tuesday, later Monday, early Tuesday. It'll be up there. Uh, it all depends. But uh, it should be a jam-packed edition, episode 72. We'll talk again on the Lace Em Up podcast. See you.